So th- this morning, actually, our message is more of a um, follow-up to last week. In last week's message, if you were here, um, you know it was a very spontaneous, very last-minute Holy Spirit kind of just dropped it in our hearts uh, for last week. So if you didn't get to listen to last week's message, um, go on our YouTube channel. It's on there. You can also go onto our podcast, Lifeway Church Weekly Sermons, and listen to last week's message. It was all about intimacy. And the title of it was The Thing I Seek Most. And it was so very powerful. Uh, But today is a follow-up to that. And our title of our message today is Our Way of Life. Our Way of Life. And uh, we'll unpack that a little bit more as we dig in here. So kind of recapping last week, intimacy. And I really felt strongly today, we were praying with our prayer team before the service back in the offices. And I really felt strongly that... Um, The verse in scripture that says perfect love casts out all fear. Well, if you dig into that passage of scripture, what is being communicated there is it's more to do with the fear of intimacy and a fear of of punishment. And so we, we fear drawing close. And Leslie already touched on that. But there is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out all fear, including a fear of coming into his presence, stripping away all of the facade, all of our walls that we put up and saying, Father, here I am. You know my innermost thoughts. You know the the desires of my heart. You know everything about me, yet you still say, come close to me. Draw close to God and he will draw close to you. And intimacy, we said last week, is an invitation, not a duty. Intimacy is an invitation, not a duty. And it's through intimacy that we learn the heart and the nature of the Father. We learn to discern the voice of the Holy Spirit in these times daily when it's just you and the Father. You get into your room or into your prayer closet or wherever it is that you can find quality time, undistracted, unhindered, just you and him. And this has to be a priority in our schedules and in our lives, that we make time every day to get alone with him because we learn his nature. We learn what he sounds like. We learn how the Father thinks. And then we can accurately represent him to the world because we know who he is. We know his heart. We speak like he speaks. We walk as he walked. We love like he loves because we know him. And he knows us. It's not about just head knowledge. It's about a daily experience in his presence. Digging into his word. Amen. How many of you when you were little, my mom did this. Did your mom, she said something along the lines of, well, I can tell who you've been spending time with because you're starting to act like them. You're starting to talk like them. Because when you spend time with someone, their influence rubs off onto you. And that's how it is with the Holy Spirit, with the Father. When you spend time with him in his presence, it's just like any relationship. It's not, if, if our relationship was built on the foundation of just what we did for each other. Hey, I took out the trash. Hey, I did the dishes. Hey, I paid the bills. Hey, I made dinner. And if that was the foundation, was, was built upon what we did, our service for each other, 
and it wasn't actually about intimacy, knowing each other deeply, our marriage wouldn't last very long. It wouldn't be very happy. We wouldn't truly know each other because we're so busy working for each other. It's important, but the foundation is intimacy. The priority is intimacy. Matthew twenty two thirty seven through 40, you all were given a, a valentine is what we called it. Uh, I don't even know what it says on it, actually. What's the? Our way of life. Okay, yeah, title of our sermon today. I thought a picture of coffee was kind of appropriate on the screens for this because if you know us, coffee is the source of our life pretty much. We drink a lot of coffee. Jesus and coffee, yes, together. We love our coffee. So I thought it was appropriate. Um, so these scriptures are on, on that sheet. They're also on the screens as well. Um, so you can follow along with us. Matthew 22 out of the New Living Translation, starting in 37. So what's happening here is Jesus is, um, what the, the leaders of that day thought, they were setting up a trap for him to walk into, which they tried to do frequently. So a lawyer, a, a, a scholar in the law, tried to trap Jesus by saying, Jesus, you tell us, what is the most important commandment? Because if you study, you know the, the Pharisees had over 600 laws that they tried to adhere to. And so they tried to trap Jesus by the question, Jesus, you tell us, if you're so smart, what is the most important commandment? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God. The word love there can also be translated worship. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. And I'm sure in that moment, if Jesus had a microphone, he would have dropped it. And they didn't have much to say after that. The first and greatest commandment is what? Love God with everything you are. All of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength. Why didn't Jesus say the first is love your neighbor and the second is love the Lord your God? Because the second is contingent upon the first. You can't love people, truly love people the way Jesus did out of your own strength and your own love. You can't manufacture that. It comes from your love of the Father and experiencing his love for you on a daily basis. That's why intimacy is so important because you can't love your neighbor as Jesus is leading you to love them without first knowing the love of God and experiencing the love and giving him all of your love. That's why it's first. You see, sometimes we worry about loving people the right way. Am I really doing enough? Am I really loving people like Jesus did Here's the beauty of intimacy. When you spend time every day in his presence, I'm gonna brag on someone today because he's here in the room and this always just blew my mind. John Haney, I remember when he was a board member, um, he would sometimes have to leave the, the board meeting early before we concluded the business because he had to get up early for work the next day. But before he did, he would get up every morning at four o'clock because his priority was to spend an hour or however long it was 
in the word and in prayer before he went to work. And through the intentionality of setting aside that time, that intimacy, guess what manifests in John's life? Love. You ever talk to John Haney? You ever been around John? The fruit of the Spirit. When you spend time with him, the fruit of the Spirit naturally manifests. It's not something you have to strive for. It's fruit. We've said this so many times. An apple tree doesn't have to work hard to produce apples. It's what it was made to do. When it's rooted in in uh, nutritious soil and it's getting sun and it's being watered, it naturally produces the fruit. When you are rooted in the word, when you are being watered with the water of the word, and fruit naturally produces. Love is something you don't have to worry about trying to make happen. It's his love. It's his fruit. Jesus then went on in John chapter 13, verse 34. He says, so now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. But when he probably said that, his disciples were thinking, well, Jesus, that's not new. That's in the law. That's in the Old Testament. They didn't call it the Old Testament. But loving people wasn't a new concept for them. But then he went on and said, love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. That was a new standard of love. That was a new concept for them because Jesus went to the greatest lengths to demonstrate the love of the Father to anyone that he came in contact with. He sacrificed it all. And that was something they were not used to doing. They had not seen that kind of love in action. Jesus was the living example of God's love for the world. And we are to be the living example of Jesus' love for all people. As he is, so are we in this world, 1 John 4, 17. We are to be his love in this world. Love one another just as Jesus loved you. Jesus, the Father, he spared no expense. He paid the highest price because of love. And that is a challenge to all of us. It's a challenge to me. Do I love people like Jesus loves people? Do I become easily frustrated, easily annoyed, easily angered because people interrupt my day? Because people ask something of me that in that moment I really don't feel like giving them? Do I do a far better job of tolerating people than actually loving people? Love one another just as I have loved you. He goes on then in John 15, a couple chapters later. He says, this is my commandment. This is in the context of Jesus talking about the vine and the branches. I am the vine, you are the branches. And he says, in this same conversation, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. So he's redundant. That's important. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. The greatest demonstration of love is sacrificial love. This is on the screens. I found this in a commentary when we were studying. Because we are all branches of one vine, we don't, if we don't love one another, it means our fellowship with the vine has been cut off. We're all branches of one vine. 
love. God is love, right? And so if we don't love one another with the same kind of Christ-like love that he demonstrated, our fellowship with the vine is cut off. It's hindered. When we live in him, his love will flow through us and produce abundant fruit. It's natural. But we have to live in his love. He said, remain in my love. Live in my love. And then his love flows through us. We can't help it. We're compelled by it. We can't keep it in because it's so good. It's so life-changing. It's so transformational. But it starts first in living in his love, in intimacy. Our willingness to sacrifice. Jesus said, greater love has no one than this that they lay down their life for their friend. Our willingness to sacrifice material possessions, comfort, time, even our own life with no selfish motives is the greatest demonstration of the love of Jesus. I don't know about you, but I struggle sometimes sacrificing. I struggle sometimes being generous. Generous with my money, generous with material things, generous with my time, my comfort. I like my comfort. It's comfortable. But you know what? Loving people like Jesus says, listen, if you're sick, you have a disease, listen, we're, we're going to fast and pray together until you see breakthrough. That's laying down your life. It's saying, There's a, you have a need, I'm going to do whatever it takes to help you meet that need, even though it's a sacrifice for me, even though it's illogical to the world. I'm going to give my life to help you, to demonstrate the love of Jesus to you, whatever it takes, whatever it costs. Today is Valentine's Day, and... I'm not going to go all the way back, but I'm going to go back a good ways to the third century when there, there were at least three St. Valentines that were ordained by the, the Catholic Church. And legend has it that St. Valentine, he was the one to, from whom we get this tradition. He was a defiant Roman priest he lived during the third century under Emperor Claudius II. And Emperor Claudius II, he was um, a very tyrannical leader. He, his armies required vast numbers of young men to abandon their young families for long periods of time. So as you can imagine, these young men who have young wives, young children, they are now the soldiers in this army. And it left the armies half-hearted and homesick because they wanted to be home. They didn't want to be fighting. And so Claudius had the idea, okay, this, this, this type of military strategy isn't very effective because all of these guys want to be home. They're, they're half-hearted. And so I'm going to ban marriage altogether. No more marriage. So he banned marriage. And Father Valentine believed that the band was unjust and went against the laws of God. And so he began to marry couples in secret. And eventually, Emperor Claudius caught on to this plan, what he was doing. And he arrested Father Valentine and sentenced him to death. Well, while he was in prison awaiting his execution, the story goes that um, the young couples that he had married in secret would come to visit him in his prison cell and they would pass flowers and notes through the prison bars expressing their gratitude and their appreciation for his sacrifice. 
And the story continues that Father Valentine fell in love with the jailer's daughter. And on the day he was to be executed, February 14th, he gave the jailer's daughter a love note and signed it from your Valentine. And so that is where we, obviously, ours is much more, yeah, more commercialized, um, for sure. But that's where the story kind of originates from. And Father Valentine sacrificed his life because he felt like the emperor was going against God. And so he gave his life to see these couples married together. 1 John 3, 16 through 19. This is how we have discovered love's reality. Jesus sacrificed his life for us. Because of this great love, we should be willing to lay down our lives for one another. If anyone sees a fellow believer in need and has the means to help him, yet shows no pity and closes his heart against him, how is it even possible that God's love lives in him? Beloved children, our love can't be an abstract theory we only talk about, but a way of life demonstrated through our loving deeds. We know that the truth lives within us because we demonstrate love in action, which will reassure our hearts in his presence. How many of you heard it said before, love is a verb? Love is an action verb. For God so loved the world that he doesn't say God so loved the world that he just said it. God so loved the world he gave. He demonstrated his love by sending his son to take our place and pay our penalty so that we could be redeemed and restored back into union with the Father. God demonstrated his love through action. True love is an action verb. Sometimes it is easier to say we'll die for someone than to truly live for them. Sometimes it is easier to say we will die for others than to truly live for them. What is love saying? How is love compelling us? What is love calling us to do? To get out of our own way, to go to the greatest lengths. His love must be our way of life. Everything Travis just said, it's just like boom, 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 boom. Do you hear his heartbeat? We gave you the paper, we gave you your valentine today so that you could take it home and you could read it over and over and over again because you need to be reassured that you are deeply, passionately loved by the God who created you. He doesn't shift, he doesn't change in numbers. He's, it says he's not a man that he should lie, that he should break his promises. It's who he is and he loves you. And, and, and you know, sometimes we equate his love to like how we love or how we've been loved. And we say, God couldn't love me because I associate him with my father who treated me a certain way. Or my mother who talked to me a certain way. Yeah? Have you ever done that? Or my spouse or my ex who loved me this way. And you associate his love with the brokenness. And his love is not broken his love is so great, so thick, so powerful, so immersing. It's the great exchange. It's perfection. His love is, he is love, right? 
That's the beginning of the passage that I'm going to read to you. I'm going to read to you out of the Passion Translation because it's Valentine's Day and you got to read the passionate version. <laughs> but I want to read to you the intro to the book of 1 John. God is love. Let these words live within you. you he doesn't want you to just know it. He wants to be in you. If I could explain what I'm seeing right now in my heart and in my mind, it's like, it's like, man, he lives within you. Let his love live in you. It doesn't come and go. The glorious God of love is revealed in John's three letters, written by the same John who penned his gospel. The reader is taken into the light of God. These beautiful words should be read over and over by every person on earth. God is love, and you can come to him by faith. Everyone needs assurance from God that they are loved and cherished. The Apostle John wrote this letter to assure us of the truths of God's love and mercy towards us. Most of the epistles and most of the, the letters in the New Testament were written for the church, right? But when I saw that, and I was thinking, hmm, who did John write this for? All of us. Anyone that comes into the knowledge of King Jesus. So I invite you, we're going to read just a part, and Travis read out of 1 John chapter 3. But we were reading this whole book. I read it like three times before the message today. I'm like, man, I just want to read the whole thing to them. Can we read the whole thing to them? It would take us till after lunchtime. We could have lunch and I could keep reading and, because it's so good. He just keeps going. He just keeps repeating himself. You think I'm repetitive. Read 1 John. He says it over and over and over again. God is love. He is in you. His love is in you. Therefore, out of you should pour. Whew. God is love. He is in you. Then out of you should pour love. God is love. He lives in you. Then out of you should pour love. It's an automatic. It's not a have to. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to try and conjure up the love of God. If you are having an encounter with God, you go and you're like, God loves you. And it just comes out of you. You see people differently, right? I mean, have you experienced it? I hope you have. Because something's happening in this house. The love of God is so tangible. I feel like it's just like a oh, more love, more love, more love. It's, it's, it's intimate. He, he's drawing you. It's for you. You can be so old in the faith and think you have all of it figured out. He wants you to set aside your knowledge. He wants you to set aside what you think you know. And he is inviting you into a glorious, fresh perspective of his love every day. You think you know everything. God's like, oh, get ready. <laughs> You're just begun. You have just begun. And my love, it goes on and on and on and on and on and on. The angels never stop singing, holy, 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 holy. 1 John 4, 7 through 21 in the Passion Translation, this section in scripture is titled, God is Love. I've read it in the ESV, in the NLT, and I just love Love God's love. So I, I, I highlighted in my Bible, I don't know if you can see this, but you should do this. I put hearts all around, like a, like a little high school girl. I put hearts all around these passages. Because this whole passage is about the love of God. And it defines us. 
So underline it, highlight it, read it over and over and over again. He loves you. Verse 7. Those who are loved by God. Are you those people? Oh, good. Okay. Let his love continually pour from you to one another because God is love. Everyone who loves is fathered by God and experiences an intimate knowledge of him. The one who doesn't love has yet to know God, for God is love. If that doesn't just... The light of God's love shined within us. There it is. Within us. Continually pour from I highlighted these things, and I've got a couple more in the passage. It comes from within. His love is within us. It's not an outside. Every once in a while, you'll feel it. When you say yes to Jesus, it lives. He lives in you. And his love is who he is. So his love bears witness with your spirit, and then out of you pours his love. God, let us have that encounter that we know your love every day so, so, so strongly that it takes over everything. How we see each other, how we love each other, how we love our families, how we love our community. Because someone who is loved has a natural impact on the atmosphere around them. Do you ever notice somebody who doesn't know that they're loved and, and, and feels lost and feels abandoned and what they carry when they walk into a room? Do you ever notice that? Are you guys with me? But when you, know, when you see somebody that, that you know they are loved, they, they know they're loved, they walk differently, they look differently, they, they, they hold their head higher. God does not want us to walk as orphans. He wants us to walk as dearly loved children. You are no longer an orphan. You are a part of his family. You are his daughter. You are his son. And out of that then pours a love for your, for your people, for the people around you that just transforms. It's transformative. We're not going to stay the same. The church isn't going to look the same. We're going to continue to see people come to know Jesus, and that love is going to transform them. And they're going to look different from the first day they walked in here to day five that they came back because of the love of God, because it transforms because we become like him. Oh, it's so good. Somebody's car alarm's going off. They're like, yes, Jesus. I just had to, instead of saying amen, beep, 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 beep. What verse are we on? 10? Nine. Thank you. The light of God's love shined within us when he sent his matchless son into the world so that we might live through him. This is love. He loved us long before we loved him. It was his love, not ours. He proved it by sending his son to be the pleasing sacrificial offering to take away our sins. I like that. It was his love, not ours, that we might live through him, not through our own effort. Not through our, I love you, I love you. Oh, oh, please know that I love you, God. Please know that I love you, God. Please know that I love you, God. Please, God, love me back. Please, God, please, God. Have you ever been there? I've been there. I know what that feels like. I don't know if he loves me today. I don't know if I'm doing the right things. I messed up. How could he even look at me right now? He doesn't see that. 
When you confess that he is Lord of your life, when you believe in your heart, he sees who you truly are in Christ. And he loves you unconditionally, whether you messed up or you didn't. Whether you were, you know, doing something for the kingdom or you were taking a nap. Come on. You don't have to perform it. You don't have to try and make it happen. It's just a natural because he's your daddy. Anyway, okay. Delightfully loved ones, verse 11. If he loved us with such tremendous love, then loving one another should be our way of life. Loving one another should be what? Welcome to Lifeway. This is our way of life. I hope you feel loved today. Because each one of you, we love you. And I, I bet anybody in this room would walk up to you and say, hey, I love you. Yeah? Yeah? Because it's our way of life. Because his love in us causes us to say, I love you, Kim and Chuck. Like, we're family. Like, I don't know how, but Jesus made his family. I met Caitlin, like, three weeks ago, and I'm like, you're my sister. I didn't know you were my sister, but you're my sister. Right? Yes. It's so great. That came from England. I mean, she's from Michigan, but, you know, we'll, we'll forgive her for that. <laughs> but come on, guys. It's like you meet, you meet the, a believer and you're like, oh, I know you, but I've never met you before a day in my life. Because the love of Jesus resonates. No one has ever gazed upon the fullness of God's splendor. But if we love one another, God makes his permanent home in us. And we make our permanent home in him. And his love is brought to its full expression in us. By how? By loving one another. You want a full expression of God's love in your life? It's yours. Go love your brother. Go love your sister. Go serve them. Pray with them. Encourage them. Fight for them. They may not even know you're waking up at 4.30 in the morning praying over them. Do it anyway. God's love motivates us. And it's just oh, like a waterfall. Verse 13, and he has given us his spirit within us so that we can have the assurance that he lives in us and that we live in him. Again, here we are. Love continually pours from within you. Light shined within us. Home in him. You are home in him. The spirit is within you. He lives in you and me. And we live in him. Better is one day in your courts. You're there. That song is not about heaven. That song is about you are in the presence of God. You are in his eternal love right now. His kingdom is within you. Moreover, we have seen with our own eyes and can testify to the truth that, the Father, that Father God has sent his son to be the savior of the world. Those who give thanks that Jesus is the Son of God live in God and God lives in them. Where is he? Right here. We have come into an intimate experience with God's love and we trust in the love he has for us. Intimacy, identity, increase. We have come into an intimate experience with God's love. If you haven't today, you're about to get ready. God is love. 
Those who are living in love are living in God, and God lives through them. Again, living in love and living in God. What's that word? Um, Simultaneously. It's happening at the same time. Synonymous. That's another word you could use maybe potentially. Synonymously. (laughs) God's love is alive in you. By living in God, verse 17, love has been brought to its full expression in us. By living in God, love has been brought to its full expression in us so that we may fearlessly face the day of judgment. This is the verse Travis was talking about earlier because all that Jesus now is, <laughs> so are we in this world. It, it says all that Jesus now is. Where is Jesus? Seated at the right hand of the Father, right? You are now as he is. Not as he was, but as he is. You have access to heavenly places because you have made your life in God. Because he has made his permanent home in you. You are not far from his presence. His presence is right here. Yeah? It's not an illusional thing that some, maybe sometimes they'll come in contact with that crazy presence. As he is, so are you in this world. Love never brings fear, for fear is always related to punishment. But love's perfection drives the fear of punishment far from our hearts. Whoever walks constantly afraid of punishment has not reached love's perfection. Our love for others is our grateful response to the love God first demonstrated for us. There is no fear in love. We hear that a lot, but do we know it? Have you experienced it? He's inviting you into a place where you have no doubt whatsoever, and you are not afraid that he's going to turn around and zap you with lightning. Right? I, I, we were in CR on Thursday night, and I was in an open share group, and the question was, Um, something about sobriety and going back to before sobriety and what what's different about your life then and what's different about your life now and I was in a group of for substance abuse and it was so awesome because to listen to what God is doing in the hearts and lives and minds of these women just blows me away his love is tangible and I'm sitting there I'm like okay well I've never abused a substance. So Lord, what, how, how do you want me to answer this question? And, and I was thinking about it and he said, I want you to tell them that you never want to go back to the old way of living. The law-based thinking where you had to perform for me because there was a time in my life when I felt like I had to be perfect. I had to measure up. I had to do all of the right things. And I had to make sure that I was behaving the right way for God. No one was making me feel that way. That was just the impression on my heart for a time that I felt like if I didn't do those things, then I was a failure and God wouldn't love me. And I confessed that to them and I said, but now God brought me into a place where I like love him. And I know he loves me and I never want to go back there. I don't ever want to go back to religious thinking. I don't want to ever go back to the law. The law has been fulfilled in Jesus. 
So now I get to walk and I get to move and I get to have my being, not striving, but resting. Not working, but going for it with Jesus because it is just the best thing to do in a day. I get to be with him. I get to run with him. I don't have to. I get to. And whatever I do doesn't, doesn't make him love me more. He, it just, he loves me so much. I'm his favorite. And so are you. He is that gushy, guys. Where do you think gushy came from? It came from him. He loves you. 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 And I like verse 19. It says, our love for others is our grateful response to the love God first demonstrated to us. How do we say thank you to God? By loving each other. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. By serving one another. Anyone can say I love God, yet have hatred toward another believer. This makes him a phony. Because if you don't love a brother or sister whom you can see, how can you truly love a God whom you can't see? For he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also demonstrate love to others. Get it out, get it out, get it out. Get that hatred out. Remove it from the past if there are people that you have held on to a grudge or you've just not forgiven and you just have it there and you're just like, it's there because I don't know, but get it out. God's not mad at you for it. He said, I see it. Let's go. Let's get rid of it. He's gentle. He's, he's kind. He's full of mercy. But sometimes we come from church history, past church stuff. Yeah? Because we all are walking with Jesus and we all, you know, Mess up sometimes? Do you ever do that? So what should we do when that happens? Hold bitterness into our heart? Change our opinion of that person? Come on. Call out the destiny in them. Forgive them as you have been forgiven. And sometimes that's hard because it hurts, but we cannot hold anything in between us and a brother and a sister in Christ because it will hinder our intimacy. It will hinder our place in God. And there's, he wants nothing, like he said this morning, nothing in the way. He wants your full heart. So when you speak of your brother and sister, maybe of your past hurts or your past, speak of them with blessing and of love, right? Our way of life is loving one another. We went from 10 commandments to two. Yeah? I'm going to sum it up, he said. I'm going to sum it up. Love God and love each other. Love God and love each other. And so fulfill the law of Christ. That means that all the other 10 will naturally be fulfilled. You ain't going to murder somebody you love. You ain't going to lie to somebody you love. You ain't going to steal from somebody you love. You're not going to covet from somebody you love. Come on. It's just a natural fulfillment. When you step into intimacy with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, He fulfills that inside of you, and He removes anything that isn't love. Oh, love, love, love. This morning, I believe, as the church, we need to set aside any kind of idol, anything that kind of steps in between us. And that ability to let the love of God pour through. And some of it is even insecurity. We, we, I can't do that. I'm not like Bradley. Or I can't, sorry Bradley, you always get picked on. 
I can't, I can't go tell them. I might say something stupid. They might look at me like I'm crazy. I can't do that ministry. What if I fail? Who is the supply of your need? God. Who loves you more than anyone in the universe, in all of creation? Your creator, the king. And today he wants you to know that he is inviting you in every single day into intimacy, into knowing that love in crazy ways. That love carries with it anointing, carries with it power, carries with it the Holy Spirit. I, 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 I don't have words to describe what he wants to do inside each one of you. It's too good to be true. And he wants you to stop saying, it's too good to be true. That's too good for me. I'm not good enough. No, you are fully redeemed. You are fully made whole. And he loves you with everything. So much that he sent Jesus to get beaten, pierced, crushed, nailed to the cross. Jesus saying, I did this because I love you so that you could walk free so that you could be healed, so that you could be whole. Come on, church. We are not a maimed, limping along, maybe we have power, maybe we don't, body of Christ. We are a fully empowered body, full of the love of Jesus. Nothing hinders us because the love of God lives within you. So don't let the enemy lie to you anymore and don't shut off any part of your heart. Open wide and say, all of you and nothing less. Let's go. Fully equipped. Fully empowered. Fully redeemed. Did you close your eyes? This is a very personal thing. And the Lord, he wants to remove anything that would cause you to think that he doesn't love you. Any thought pattern, any past history, he wants it gone. And he wants your full trust because he lives within you. And so right now, I just want you to listen. I want you to, I want you to listen to your own heart. Listen to the thoughts that come when you say, that God loves me, what thoughts come? Does condemnation come? Does guilt come? Does shame come? Or does this amazing, wow, I can't believe you love me come? Travis said it earlier, we can't be afraid of intimate moments with God because he lives in us. It's, it's gotta be intimate. There's no other option. Out of intimacy flows everything else. And he's busting through blockages right now. He's breaking through blockages in your heart that you felt like, I'm not worthy. It's busting through in Jesus' name. You're going to experience a breakthrough of his love like you've never experienced before. He's busting through blockages. Past sin, past hurt, he's busting through them. He's saying, my love will cover all of that. Some of you have um, what looks like shrapnel in your heart from the trauma that the enemy has done to you. Looks like shards of glass. 
broken pieces. And I said, you know, I said that God's love is busting through, but some of you are gonna experience a time in the coming week where you're gonna be sitting with the Father and he's gonna be gently removing those shards out of your heart. And he's gonna be saying, daughter, son, I love you. And he's pouring oil on your head and he's calling you his and he's taking that painful stuff out because he's gentle. And he doesn't want anything in there that will cause infection or cause more harm. He is healing the deepest parts, the things that no one knows about. He loves to come and sit with you. He loves you. And he wants to remove it. So I just see him just one piece at a time, just taking it out. And he's not in a hurry, okay? It's not something you arrive in. You are already in his love, guys. You're already in it. It's already there. So it's not something you're trying to get. It's just... Being with the Father and allowing his healing to just pour over you. His angels ministering to you. Do you believe in angels? I believe in angels. So you you got your angels too, you know, which is so cool. Healing angels. He has made his permanent home within you And you have made your permanent home within him. You are no longer homeless. (laughs) You are not an orphan. You are so dearly loved. And church, as we continue in intimacy, then unity in the body is a natural result of that. Because of the love that pours into each other. The grace that pours out for one another, right? It's so beautiful and so powerful.